the Bible Study Podcast, episode 253. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 2 Samuel with chapter 11. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. In some ways, the reason why we've been studying 2 Samuel has a lot to do with chapter 11. I think chapter 11 is a very interesting chapter. It is a difficult chapter in some ways, and it's the chapter which David's easy times and things going well come to an end because David is unfaithful to God. David sins, and he sins in a big way. So this is the story of David and Bathsheba. In the spring, at the time when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed, walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The men said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all of his master's servants, and did not go down to his house. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, Haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on the mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, Put Uriah out in the front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so that he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah in the place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Joab sent David a full account of the battle. He instructed the messenger, When you have finished giving the king this account of the battle, the king's anger may flare up, and he may ask you, Why did you get so close to the city to fight? Didn't you know they would shoot arrows from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, the son of Jerobasheth? Didn't a woman drop a millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you get so close to the wall? If he asks you this, then say to him, Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. The messenger set out, and when he arrived, he told David everything Joab said him to say. The messenger said to David, The men overpowered us and came out against us in the open, but we drove them back to the entrance of the city gate. Then the archers shot arrows at your servants from the wall, and some of the king's men died. Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. David told the messenger, Say this to Joab, Don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. 
When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. So this is the story of David and Bathsheba. And one of the things I find interesting are some of the little things in the story. So we get David who is on the roof of his palace and he looks over and he sees the neighbor's wife bathing and he lusts after her and has to have her. But the first thing we get is David is at home in the palace. This is the time we've just been told when kings go off to war. And David is not at war with his army. He is at home in his palace. And sometimes I think temptation comes for us at a time when we are in the wrong place or with the wrong people or maybe not with the right people. Certainly many a businessman has had this problem on a business trip or kids have certainly run into the wrong crowd. Sometimes it's not being in the wrong place but not being in the right place. And I have to wonder if that's part of David's problem here. Is David appears to be bored, and he appears not to be about his kingly business, at least according to the writer of Second Samuel. So he sees Bathsheba. That is temptation. Temptation happens, and you can't avoid it. But, of course, when he then inquires and sends messengers for him, then at that point he's sent. Then at that point he has crossed a line. Uh, when he doesn't just turn away and say, oh my gosh, I didn't, ex- didn't expect to see that. And so he sleeps with Bathsheba, and she goes home again, and he thinks it's over. It's a one-night stand, as far as we know. But of course, he gets those three words that have changed many, many lives. I am pregnant. Now, Bathsheba now is with child. And the problem that David has is not that Bathsheba is pregnant, but that Bathsheba is pregnant and that her husband has been away at war. And so people will know that she has been unfaithful because she can't possibly be pregnant by her husband. So he has a plan. This is where he starts the cover-up. And as in many cases, the cover-up sometimes gets worse than the crime. And that's what happens here. So he hatches this plan. I'll just bring Uriah home He'll go home, he'll sleep with his wife. When the baby is born, they'll think, well, the baby may be a little premature, but they won't suspect the king. Everything will go back to the way it should be, and we'll get over this little thing about sleeping with another man's wife. And so he brings Uriah home, and Uriah, who is a foreigner, Uriah the Hittite, Uriah is not Jewish, Uriah is not from Judah or Israel, but he has this faithfulness to his people who are not his people, that he can't even think of going home and sleeping with his wife when his comrades are out there on the field. How different that is from David, who seems to be home when he should be out in the field. And so David's plan fails. Uriah doesn't go home because he thinks it would be wrong. And so David gets him drunk to try and send him home, but he still doesn't go home. So now David has a bigger problem. His plan has failed And he makes his sin worse because he, at this point, plots to kill Uriah. He plots to kill Uriah to cover up his own personal sin. And so he sends word to Joab, Joab, the leader of the army, and he says, you know, it wouldn't be such a bad thing if this Uriah was to have an accident. If he happened to be in the midst of the fighting and you just happened to pull back and he happened to be killed, it wouldn't be such a bad thing. Now, of course, he's taken in Joab as well into his sin. 
And we're told in the New Testament that it would be better to have millstones draped over our necks and thrown into the deepest water than to cause someone else to sin. So he's made his sin even worse at this point by ensnaring Joab. He's already involved messengers in the sin who now have to cover it up. So it just keeps growing. So Joab goes to battle. The battle goes poorly. Uriah is killed. Big surprise that. But also he has this bad news that he has to explain to David about why did this battle go so poorly and why were you such a bad general and why is it that you didn't know that you shouldn't get that close to the wall and haven't we had this problem before and didn't you know they were going to do this and didn't you know they were going to do that? And so Joab tells the messengers just how to break the news to the king. He says, you know, if you want to break the news to the king, what you're going to do is you're going to tell him this way and then you're going to give him the news that Uriah is dead. And when David hears that news, then his whole tone changes. Well, these things happen. Tell Joab, don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. And so Joab knows because he has done what David has wanted, that he has pleased the king and whatever difficulties he may have had as a general, those are overlooked. And David waits until Bathsheba has mourned for her husband, and then he takes her as his wife, yet another wife. And remember that as David is up on the palace looking out at other people's wives, he has wives. He has more than one wife. And he was not satisfied, and so he goes after someone else's. And he takes her, she bears a son, and David has gotten away with it. As far as we know, at this point, No one suspects that that child is the child of David. David is just doing a good thing. He is taking the widow of one of his soldiers and he is caring for her as a wife and caring for his child as his own child. What a good king David is. The problem, of course, with this story and the problem, of course, with our sin is that God sees. And so the last line in this is this very understated comment, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. God knew what David did, and God wasn't going to let David get away with it, and God was going to bring David to account, because kings and paupers alike, soldiers and diplomats, shopkeepers and school teachers, are all under the authority of God. And so God has the last word on our sin. And sin is all of those things that we do that displease God and all of those things we don't do that displease God. And so David will have to account for his sin and we'll do that next week and we'll see what comes of this story and how this changes so many lives as our sin will do. Clearly, we've changed the life of Uriah by ending it, but there are many other lives, including the lives of David and Bathsheba and this child that will be changed as we see next week. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free Story Behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. 
Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.